Open God's Word with me this morning, if you would, to Nehemiah chapter 9. Real briefly, just a quick review to catch us up to where we are. The first six verses of chapter 9 talked about God's greatness. We talked about creation. We talked about how he is the one God. He is God. And we talked about it at the end of verse 6 there that the, that the angels bow and worship him. And we talked about God's goodness. Uh, we, we went through all the, the 16 or so things that God gave to the nation of Israel. And we're gonna, we've covered part of that up through verse 15. Uh, we're going to continue that today, uh, talking about what he has done. He, he gave them uh, relief, or he gave them the, the, um, <laughs> the exodus. He got them out of Egypt. He, he gave them dry ground to walk across on. Uh, he gave them the law, the good statutes and laws to live by. Uh, he gave them a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night to, to know that they were following him. We looked at Psalm 19 and again saw the good laws, the perfect laws, the statutes of him are right, they're true, they're pure, they're sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. Then in verse 15, last to end last week, we were looking at the the bread and the water that he provided for them uh, in spite of their their stubbornness and their, their desire to uh, rebel against him. There was a quote I, I gave last week. It says, God doesn't leave his people guessing about how to please them. He's him. We know how to please him. He tells us in his word how to please him. First and foremost is obedience to his words. And we are, are to walk humbly, Micah 6.8. Or to walk humbly or circumspectly. Circum, circumference is the perimeter of a circle. And how we are to, to look all around us as we walk. And understand that we are to put other people before ourselves. And to see how, how we are interjecting into their lives. And how we need to be doing that humbly. And we do that by putting other people before ourselves. Today we're going we're gonna to pick up in verse 16, and, and I have a dream that we're going to make it all the way to verse 37. You're laughing. We can do it. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of the people of Israel. They're very much like we are, Father. We obey you, and we disobey you. We rebel against you because we think we've got it. Then we come under your judgment, we come to repentance, and the circle starts again. We're going to look at that today, Father, but above all, we pray for your patience with us, the patience that you displayed towards the Jews we ask that you would display that same patience to us, Father. Help us to dial in on what it is to 
walk with you, to love you, to obey you, to worship you. And then as we come to communion, Father, help us to do it reverently to remember what you've done for us. Again, thank you for your word in this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, beginning in verse 16, um, we, we just specifically from verses 7 to <coughs> excuse me, 15, there are, are many things that God gave them, and we've already talked about them. Primarily, I'd just highlight again verse 13. You gave to them just ordinances and true laws, great statutes and commandments. You made known to them your holy Sabbath, and you laid down for them commandments, statutes, and law through your servant Moses. And, and there's a lot of discussion about the Sabbath and how that relates to Christians today. But remember that he made the Sabbath for them. It was a day of rest. And, and it's good for our bodies. And we celebrate it on Sunday because that's when Christ arose from the grave. But it's good for us to take a day. It's good for our bodies. It's good for our minds to slow down, to rest, to take it easy. And, and lest people think you're lazy, uh, in, in back in the day of the Jews, it was they, they could say, wait a minute, it's a commandment for me to not work on this day. We are commanded to not work. Well, that commandment was to them, and yes, we people can get all legalistic about what you do and don't do on, on Sunday. And, and I remember as a, as a kid, uh, I, I wouldn't be a... I was highly discouraged from going over to somebody else's house after church and, you know, come back Sunday evening service because I might play ping pong. Yeah, that, that could happen. Um, God gave that day to us for us. For us to relax, to decompress, to download, to get ready for the coming week and, and what it holds for us. Um, I, I don't think, you know, if, if you start saying a list of do's and don'ts on Sunday, you're, you're stepping out of bounds because that's between you and God. What, what I can do on Sunday may or may not match up with, with what you can do on Sunday, but you need to agree with God on, on that, and I need to agree with God on that, and I should not impose my beliefs to you, and you shouldn't impose yours on me or look differently at me because because I like to play ping pong on Sunday. No, I don't even have a ping pong table. But um, It's, it's important on, on things that, that aren't given in the Scripture like that, is that you make a covenant with God, and then you stick to it. You need to stick to what God has convicted you. And, and a couple of years down the road, God may change your heart. And you may decide that, that it's okay to do something else on Sunday, or maybe I shouldn't be doing this on Sunday. But that's between you and him. And that's important for you to get that right and get that straight with him. Rest is good. I'll just leave it at that. Verse uh, 16. And, 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 and we're going again through it through part of the cycle that's that's not pretty but they our fathers acted arrogantly 
They became stubborn and would not listen to your commandments. They refused to listen. They did not remember your wondrous deeds, which you had performed among them. So they became stubborn and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. What? Are you kidding me? This is stupid. Sin is stupid. God led them out of Egypt where they had been slaves for 400 years. Getting beaten, whipped to make bricks. To do the Pharaoh's bidding, whatever trench he wanted dug or hill he wanted built. And here they want to, they're talking about, they want to go back to Egypt? Are you kidding me? And it's with that same incredulousness that God must look at my life sometimes and say, Are you kidding me? Why are you being so stupid? Why do you sin? Why do you disobey my word? Why do you choose to do what you want to do instead of what I would have for you? I'm going to, I'm going to skip ahead to, to my final, one of my final hoorays, but it says in verse 29 of, of Nehemiah 9, by which if a man observes them, he shall live. It's a good thing for us to obey God's word. He gives us life. If we obey his word, he gives us blessings. If we will obey his words. And so, I'm sure there's days God looks at me and he says, What are you doing? Think about that as we head into communion. They became stubborn. They would not listen. Oh, right at the beginning of the verse, they acted arrogantly. And we pointed that out last week in verse uh, 10, where, where the Egyptians had acted arrogantly towards the people of Israel in not wanting to let them go because they were going to lose their labor. But here, the Jews are acting arrogantly against God. Not against other people, but against God. Good thing we never do that. Sin is stupid, folks. We may think it's fun, but it's got its penalty, and it's going to cost us in the long run. Again, from verse 29, talking about God's good ordinances, by which if a man observes them, he shall live. Rebellion. And, and, and I, I, the, the words aren't in this chapter, but so, so many times I, I would want to say, as, as we see them acting arrogantly and, and faithless towards God and God's faithfulness towards them. How, how many times in my mind I just said, but God. But God continued being faithful in spite of them, in spite of their sin, but God continued to give them manna and water in the wilderness in spite of their, I want to go back to Egypt because it was so much better there. But God, God remained faithful. God remained true. He continued to do what He said He would do for them. 
He didn't take the pillar of cloud and fire away from them. <laughs> you guys are lost now. No, we might do that. Well, that might be our thought to do that. But God remained faithful. He left the pillar of cloud and fire there to continue to lead them in spite of their sin. But God, thank you, Lord. Thank you for who you are and your faithfulness and your patience to us. They became, verse 7, middle of 17, they became stubborn and appointed later to return to slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness, and you did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a calf of molten metal and said, this is our God who brought us up out of Egypt and committed great blasphemies. What? How many times this week did God sit up there and look at me and say, what? What are you doing? Wake up. Obey my word. Look with me quickly to Exodus 32. I think I'm just, I'm not, that's, that's not good. I'm just going to get rid of my glasses, but then I can't see your eyes. So I'm going to have to trust you that you're awake and following, okay? Exodus, not Genesis. I'm going to pop around for a couple chapters here, so stick with me. I'll give you the ver- the chapter and verse that I'm reading. We're going to start in Exodus 32, verse 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses had been meeting with the Lord, getting the Ten Commandments. Go down at once for your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. Verse 8, in the middle of verse 8, they've made for themselves a molten calf, have worshipped it and sacrificed to it. End of verse 9, they are an obstinate people. Before Moses even comes down, he knows what's happening down there because God told him. He wasn't going to come off the mountain and be shocked by what was happening in the camp because God told him. God says right then and there he wants to destroy the people. He said, Moses, I want to destroy the people. I'll make a great nation of you. And Moses intercedes, verse 12, Exodus thirty-two, twelve. Why should the Egyptians speak, saying, With evil intent he brought them out to kill them in the mountains to destroy them from the face of the earth? We talked earlier that God had made a name for himself. Um, Nehemiah, the end of verse 10. Nehemiah 9.10 said, you made a name for yourself this day. Remember when, when we talked last week about Joshua? In, in, in the book of Joshua, God said, I will go ahead of you and strike fear into their hearts. When they came to Jericho, the spies went in. And Rahab the harlot said, yeah, we're, we're shaking in our boots because of your God and what he's done for you. He made a name for himself. The people knew that, they had, that God had parted the waters of the Red Sea. And although the the Egyptian army died in that sea, news still travels. And word was out. And and Moses intercedes here and says, God, why why don't don't destroy your people? 
Because the Egyptians will say, you just brought them out of Egypt to kill them in the desert. We all need a leader like that to intercede for us. Verse 15, and, and God said that he wouldn't. Verse 14, so the Lord changed his mind about the harm which he had said he would do to his people. Verse 15, Moses turned and went down from the mountain. Over to verse 19. And it came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and his anger burned and he threw the tablets from his hands, shattered them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf, okay, he took action before he talked. He he didn't even talk to his brother Aaron and say, hey bro, what's up? What's happening here? Nope. He went straight for the action. Verse 20, he took the calf which they had made, burned it with fire, and ground it to powder, and scattered it over the surface of the water, and made the sons of Israel drink it. Then Moses talks to his brother. And he said, What did this people do to you, that you have brought such great sin upon them? Aaron said, Do not let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself, that they are prone to evil. Well, what about you, Aaron? You're their leader. One of them. We go down to, to 24, verse 24, he says, Aaron's talking still, and he says, I said to them, whoever has any gold, let him tear it off. So they gave it to me, I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. What? How stupid is that? You threw gold earrings in the fire, and this calf just came out. Moses is trying to, or excuse me, Aaron's trying to point the finger at the people, not at himself. He didn't want to acknowledge his sin and his part in being obstinate and stubborn and disobeying God. I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. If if it wasn't so sad, it would probably be one of the most amusing lines in the scriptures. Verse 26, Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered together to him. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Every man of you put his sword upon his thigh and go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp and kill every man his brother and every man his friend and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. God is patient, but he has, a, has his limits. There will be judgment. There are consequences to our sins. I think of David, and even though he wept and mourned and, and pleaded with God and fasted, that God wouldn't take his son, there still was a consequence to pay for his sin with Bathsheba and his murdering of Uriah. Turn back with me to Nehemiah. You can stay in Nehemiah. I'm going to read a few verses out of Psalm 115.
Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but do to thy name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? But our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths but cannot speak. They have eyes but cannot see. Have ears but cannot hear. They have noses but they cannot smell. They have hands but they cannot feel. They have feet but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. Those who make them will become like them. They made a calf to worship instead of God. They became like a calf. They became stiff-necked. They became obstinate. They became stubborn. God's word says right here that they will become like what they worship. Just makes me think of And Saul took the Ark of the Covenant into battle and the Philistines captured it. And after a while they figured they better send it back to Israel because too many of their people were dying. Sent the cart back with the Ark of the Covenant on it because they, just, just the presence of that in their midst was a judgment. And they figured it out and they said, we got to get that out of here. So they put it on a cart and it went straight up the hill and right back to to Israel territory. Sometimes non-believers, sometimes the world can be more perceptive than we are. And they realize that they don't want to mess with it. Why are we so slow to understand and realize that there is one God and only one God. We we make gods out of money. We make gods out of our toys. We make gods out of food, out of TV, out of sports. There is only one God, people. Those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. <clears throat> Excuse me, back to Nehemiah 9, 18. They made for themselves a golden uh, a calf of molten metal and said, This is your God who brought you out of, up out of Egypt. And they committed great blasphemies. You and your great compassion did not forsake them in the wilderness. Another, what? Are you kidding me? They're really ascribing to this golden calf what God has done for them and given to them? That calf didn't provide any water or manna for them. That calf didn't split the sea and let them walk across on dry ground. Sin is stupid. It makes us stupid. Verse 19, Now in your great compassion you did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud did not leave them to guide them, nor the pillar of fire by night. Verse 20, you gave your good spirit to instruct them. Your manna 
you did not withhold from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. Remember when we were first talking about uh, three, four weeks ago about all the, we kind of went through the chapter and listed all the good things that God gave them. And I read that note that I had in my margin. I'll read it again. They lacked nothing. They appreciated nothing. Don't let that be said of us. Don't let that be said of you. Because we lack nothing. We have God. That's all we need. We lack nothing. And we should appreciate him and everything he gives us. Verse 22, they start the conquest. They cross the Jordan. And and again, God is with them. God gives them the kingdoms. He gives them the people. God, many times God just killed the people, either through hailstones or in the Midianites, the camp. They, They turned on each other and started killing each other. Israel didn't even have to do it. Remember our verse back in Deuteronomy? Let God fight your fights. Let him fight your fights for you. He's never lost one yet. Let him fight for you. People, let him him lead them into the land. Verse 24, so their sons entered and possessed the land. Just a very small commentary on the fact that it wasn't their fathers that entered the land. Their fathers didn't get to enter the land because of the sin at Kadesh Barnea. When they sent the 12 spies in, only two came back with an honest report. The other 10 said, oh, they're too big, we can't do it. Well, no, you couldn't do it. And you can't do it now. You've got to let God do it for you. God said he would fight it for you. God said he would give you that land. Don't say that you can't go in and do it. Because with God, you can. He said he would be there. He'll be there. So just a little, a little uh, commentary on the, on the, the sin of the, the, the fathers. So the sons entered and possessed the lands, not the fathers. He gave the, the people into their hands. Uh, verse 25, they captured fortified cities, fertile land. They took possession of houses full of every good thing, cisterns, vineyards, olive groves, fruit trees in abundance. They didn't even have to do the work. They just walked in and took it. When they were following and obeying God, when they let God fight their fights. And here you go, end of verse 25. So they ate, were filled, and grew fat, and reveled in your great goodness. Verse 26, but they became disobedient and rebelled against you and cast your law behind their backs and killed your prophets who had admonished them so that they might return to you. And they committed great blasphemies. Okay, we're back in that cycle. Around and around, time after time. Obedience, blessing, disobedience, judgment. And we come to repentance and we get back into the cycle of blessings. But right here again, they commit great blasphemies. Verse 27, Therefore you delivered them into the hand of their oppressors who oppressed them. But when they cried in their time of distress, you heard them from heaven and according to your great compassion, you gave them deliverers who delivered them from the hand of the oppressors, the judges. 
Remember, we're, we're, the, the Levites in this prayer are kind of going through the, the history of the nation. Tell me if you recognize these names. Othniel, Ehud, Shamgar, Tola, Jair, Jephthah, Elon, Abdon. These ones you might recognize. Deborah, Barak, Gideon, and Samson. All were judges that, that God gave them as a, as, for a short time. When they, when they cried out to God and said, we need you, he would give them a judge. And, and they would have a period, there, there would be some military victories and there would be a period of peace. Pretty soon they'd need another judge. Or, yeah, because they'd, they'd sin and rebel and they'd cry out to God. It was just a nonstop cycle. They got worked their way through all these judges. Verse 28, but as soon as they had rest, they did evil again before you. Another judge. Need a judge, God. Help us out. Therefore, you abandoned them to the hand of their enemies so that they ruled over them. And when they cried again to you, you heard from heaven. And many times you rescued them according to your compassion. And admonish them in order to turn them back to your law. Verse 29, again, they acted arrogantly and did not listen to your commandments, but sinned against your ordinances, by which if a man observes, then he shall live. And they turned a stubborn shoulder and stiffened their neck and would not listen. Remember that calf that they made and worshipped? Psalm 115 says, those that make them, you'll become like what you make. They made a golden calf, and here we begin. We see them being stubborn and stiff-necked, turning away from God. Point out in verse 28 there that they abandoned them to the hand of their enemies. At this point, they get to stay in the land. God is just bringing enemies to judge them. We're going to see in a few verses in verse 30 where he actually takes them out of the land. God says, you're going to act like them? You might as well go live with them. He took them out of their land. The Assyrians to the northern kingdom and the Babylonians to the southern kingdom. For a while, he let them stay in their land. But it got to be so bad and so repetitive. And God says, okay, you're going to be dispersed. You're going to be taken out of your land. Verse 30, however you bore or endured with them for many years and admonished them by your spirit through your prophets, yet they would not give ear. Therefore you gave them into the hands of the peoples of the lands. Nevertheless, in your great compassion, you did not make an end of them or forsake them, for you are a gracious and compassionate God. As Moses had pleaded with God not to destroy his people, He allowed them to be taken out of the land. But he didn't end them. He didn't finish them off at that point because of his great mercy, because of his compassion. Verse 33, however, you are just in all that has come upon us. You have dealt faithfully, but we have acted wickedly. 
For our kings, leaders, our priests, fathers have not kept your law or paid attention to your commandments and your admonitions with which you have admonished them. But they in their own kingdom with your great goodness which you have given them with the, the broad and rich land which you set before them, they did not serve you or turn from their evil deeds. Behold, we are slaves today and as to the land which you gave to our fathers to eat of its fruit and its bounty. Behold, we are slaves on it. The remnant was beginning to come back from Babylon. But they were still slaves to the kingdom of Babylon. They had to work the land. Uh, verse 37, the abundance of produce is for the king's. When you have, that you have set over us because of our sins, they also rule over our bodies and over our cattle as they please. So we are in great distress. Turn back to verse 9, if you would. Nehemiah 9.9. 9. You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. They were in great distress. And through all the cycles over and over and over again, they've come back to the point and they say, so we are in great distress. We are in great distress in our country. When we are sinning against our Heavenly Father, when we are disobeying and not following his ordinances. We are in great distress. Distress that only he can give us freedom from. Remember verse 29, talking about God's ordinances. And if you want to think, um, go back, you can look at verse 13 to talk about the just ordinances, true laws, good statutes and commandments. Verse 29, by which if a man observes them, he shall live. There is life and obedience. It's not confining, it's not restraining, it's, there's freedom. There is freedom and obedience to his ordinances, his statutes, his laws. They are good. They are meant for us. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover... By them thy servant is warned. In keeping of them, there is great reward. I don't think, if anybody's being honest, I don't think you can ever say that there's been a more joyful, a more peaceful time in your life is when you are at peace with God. When you are in sweet fellowship with Him. When you are obeying, obedience is freedom. 
as, as we begin to turn our thoughts towards communion, I kind of skipped over this first because I wanted to come back and, and close with it so that it would lead us into communion. Verse 32 of Nehemiah chapter 9. Now therefore our God, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who keeps covenant and loving kindness, do not let all the hardship seem insignificant before you. If you turn back to chapter 1 of Nehemiah, you'll recall his, his first prayer recorded there. Nehemiah 1, 5 says, And I beseech you, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who preserves the covenant and loving kindness for those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear now be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant, which I am praying before you now day and night on behalf of the sons of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the sons of Israel, which we have sinned against you. I and my father's house have sinned. Our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God. The God who is so patient, so gracious, so loving to his people. That same God is our God. As we examine ourselves and take time to consider as we go into communion, think of how great a God we have. And what he has done for each one of us. And be prepared to pray that prayer. Therefore, our God, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who keeps covenants and his loving kindness. Stand with me if you would.